making a no-budget film, it's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're you're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Also, and you're not in the same place. That I got that a lot from listeners. They just it was like they lot just didn't believe it. Like, no, you're in the same place. We aren't in the same place. We are in two no, different places. Two different places, and and in different time. I'm in ni- like, 1988, recording on a cassette deck. And and I'm actually in 2029. I didn't know. So I'm a few, I did not I'm know you were that far in the future. I'm a, That's really I'm in, cool. I'm in the future, and I'm actually in the future. Is that uh, technology has actually failed? So this is a conjuring of sorts. This is a ritual that I have to do, and I'm actually to project myself backwards through time, in order to converse with you. Because you're, well, see, people are assuming. I'm recording on cassette and you're on the internet, but no, you, the internet actually has died by your time. So you're also, 100% died. yeah, you're also recording on cassette and we have a special lunchbox, uh, located in a, uh, a rundown middle school. That's, that's <laughs> equally ruined. It's equally decrepit in both of our times. And we, right. we both drop the cassettes off in the lunchbox. And then apparently in 2019, something called the internet makes our show air. So, um, What's going on, man? What's going on in your in in the past? Uh, I I got uh, Super Mario Brothers three. Really excited about oh. that. It's about two years old so, now, but I got it. Finally, nice, I, nice. I saved up some money uh, working at the video store, Hollywood Video. <laughs> and I I miss video stores. So obviously, we decided to have this podcast over a couple beers um, to to pumpkin spice things up. I'm not giving you a hard time for drinking pumpkin spice cider tonight, uh, because because it's awesome. I, that's right. Because and because I, I don't suffer from the kind of to- toxic masculinity that would give my friend a hard time for drinking such a. <laughs> Have you seen that? Not that this has anything to do with. Well, it does. You know. You know what this does. So, what is your sort of take on the the controversy around the Gillette short film ad commercial? Well, you know, I didn't actually see it. I heard about it secondhand from my girlfriend who was uh, in tears after watching it. And I, really? and I yeah, and I just kind of thought those guys are going to sell a lot of razors. <laughs> well, look, I, I look at it two ways. On the one hand, the fact that it was able to bring someone to tears, I think, is um, is a is a byproduct of their of their sort of the craftsmanship behind the commercial. You know, the, the imagery, it evoked an emotion in a lot of different directions oh yeah well that's what they wanted to do was get in there emotionally and uh get you thinking about shaving your legs i I don't know apparently they make really good razors and they make uh a lot of men really mad well listen this is the way i look at it you know people we when you get to that level and you have a voice that reaches and an audience that reaches as far as they can yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's probably just uh, to sell some razors, you know. But if it sends a message to some people that, that A, it's evoked a conversation, so that's amazing. 
And then, and then B, maybe makes a few people just look at their life just a moment different. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I wish, I wish more commercials and, and people of influence did that. But you know how, how it's a good thing? Uh, because I, I don't have as much faith in the corporation as you do. I kind of think they, they, they said we have a much more progressive society, a much more progressive society, and uh, they'll probably want to see something that echoes the, uh, that, that progress. And that's, so that's not so much good on them, but good on us. Okay, I like that. I like that take. I think we can we can launch into today's topic, and that is storytelling's favorite antagonist, Senor Diablo. Mm, old scratch. Yes, yes. Lucifer, uh, the morning star. Satan. Mr. Just a second ago, I had Primus's uh, "Devil Went Down to Georgia" music video, which you got to watch. Uh, it's fantastic. They did a whole stop motion sequence around it. Why did he go down to Georgia? I think he knew better than to go down to Texas. I heard he was looking for a soul to steal. So he's kind of having a bit of a resurgence right now. It seems like like the the devil and stories about the devil seem to be really popular once again. Right, like in a bro- in a broader sense, like in the eighties when the when Satan was tops. I mean, all, we had the satanic music, so all, all the films, uh, Hellraiser, you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons somehow got associated with him. The satanic panic. Apparently, the latest season of True Detective is loosely based on the West Memphis Three and the idea of satanic panic in the eighties or maybe the nineties. Oh wow, the West Memphis Three. That's a uh... One of the greatest tragedies of uh, our generation, I would say. Uh, and and so much of that was dictated by the way that the devil has been portrayed through pop culture. Right. You know, with movies like, um, there was probably Rosemary's Baby was, was definitely one of the precursors, but certainly The Exorcist, right? And then one of my favorite movies, The Omen, sort of portrayed the devil as the, the ultimate evil, the ultimate antagonist, and usually pitted them against some sort of um, religious figure of some sort as as the protagonist. So now we're seeing uh, kind of Satan is, you know, kind of back again, uh, but in, 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 in not such a heavy way. We, we have the Satanic 2019, no panic. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no. Well, we're just, we're, we're distracted by, the, 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 I think society is a lot more distracted. And it's actually, it's funny because in the 80s and in the 70s, certainly, when a lot of cinema and movies that we talked about just a moment ago, you know, use the devil as their foil in in these horror films, it actually and, and with the rise of like heavy metal, it actually did evoke a panic amongst people. There was this idea that the devil was going to corrupt your children, that the kind of music or movies that they watched was going to corrupt their morals. I feel like in this in this new this, what forty years later, it's it's a bit more um, trendy to to wear to use you know uh, esoteric clothing and and um you know the new uh, sabrina the teenage witch what i guess it's just called sabrina on netflix uh-huh. that heavily focused witchcraft and the devil um this season of american horror story centered around the antichrist and and actually uh really falsely associated someone like anton Lavey with with uh, mythical Satanism. Oh, that was hilarious! I, yeah, yeah, when when he showed up, I I faked my own death. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was laughing. That was great. The the, the Church of Satan actually took uh, umbrage with that. I'm sure they, they did. Were, they were calling for a boycott, I think, because of the way they were being portrayed. Oh wow, things really <laughs> are just in reverse right now, aren't they? Uh, Isn't that funny? <laughs> 
Wow. What do you think of, have you seen a show called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell? It's on Adult Swim and it's, no. um, uh, it's one of my favorites. I, I don't know if there's going to be a fourth. I think they've done three seasons. I don't know if there'll be a fourth, but it is, uh, hell is set up as a corporate structure. Uh, <laughs> demons are employees and Satan is the manager. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it's just this, it's this Satan just walking around with, uh, you know, with a, with a business shirt on, but then this, uh, huge leather spiked cod piece and goat legs. And he's just got his, you know, his hell corp, uh, corp coffee mug. And he's kind of ordering the demons around. Well, uh, if I, if I, if I imagined hell, that's pretty much how I would imagine hell to be. I think anyone who's worked in any kind of corporate environment would agree with that. It's funny. It's funny how, how so many of these sort of mainstream programs and movies and, and, and um, TV shows especially are, are leaning on the devil. And, it, and, and you asked me over during the week, you were, you're asking the question, like, are these movies like in, in TV shows, are they sort of either directly or, or subconsciously, you know, basically promoting Christianity or, or promoting religion or superstitious right. thinking even. Right. Well, well, I, I was so I went back and I watched some of them, and and obviously, you know, in a lot of instances, the protagonist is some sort of religious figure, or, or, or at very worst case, um, it's a fallen a figure who's lost their faith potentially, um, and has to and through this ordeal, refines it. Right, right. Defeat the vampires with the cross, but. You have to have faith in the cross and, uh, you, right. can, you know, you can drive the evil out. Right. And, and one of the films that I, I don't think that people most usually associate with the devil is actually signs. M. Night Shyamalan's signs. Um, there is a there's a theory that goes about that those are not, in fact, aliens that come down to Earth, that they're demons. OK. Which actually makes the movie so much better. Because if you think about it, one of the big criticisms about signs, these aliens with this advanced technology to, to soar across the cosmos, land on a planet with the intent of taking it over, and they land on a planet that's 70% water, it's, right? Yeah, it's not, not, sort of, a, not good planning. Right. However, however, if you take the, the theory that, that flows online, which is that, in fact, they're demons, that we never see spaceships. In fact, I don't even know if they ever reference spaceships. We just see, we assume it because we see the crop circles, right? And we see this alien looking thing, but why couldn't it be a demon? And, um, and that in fact, the water that, that, uh, you know, make weakens them or, or, or kills them is, is because this is when Mel Gibson's character regains his faith and it's holy water. Oh my. <laughs> right. Way so better movie now. He put the prayer into the water and it, and the demons, it was like acid to the demonic alien demons. It, exactly. I mean, look, he is a he is a priest throughout the entire film, right? Who has lost his faith. The whole under undercurrent of the story is that this priest or his father, whatever he may be, has lost his faith. Yeah. And it's in the moment where he regains his faith that um, Joaquin Phoenix's character swings away, right? Strikes the demon with the with the with the bat. And knocks it into the water that you realize is it's uh, you know it's kryptonite. Now, did he? But d does he pray over the water at any point? Uh, I don't believe he prays over the water. I believe he does pray with his children. So it's not it's not um, it's not so overt as him you know 
drawing a crossover or anything along those lines. But certainly the inference is that is that the reason they're able to defeat this the singular alien or demon that's in their house is because he regains he regains faith in God's plan. Oh, God's plan. We hear about that a lot. Right. Well, the that's old, it, right? The old thing, the old plan, whenever things go wrong, whenever people die, probably part of God's plan. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing, right? Because, you know, with as many movies that that use the devil as their antagonist, they always seem to be um, protested by, especially certainly during the 80s and 90s, by religious groups. When in fact, if you look at a lot of these projects, a lot of these films that come out, the message is that faith, or specifically Christian faith or religious faith, is is what overcomes this evil. Well, yeah, it, it's true. Uh, I mean, especially with vampire films, uh, you know, you don't see as much as, as much with ghost stories. But ghost stories, in their own way, kind of promote religion because what is a ghost? A, right, a soul that couldn't make it to the afterlife. And, you know, souls, uh, without a belief in a soul, you don't really have, uh, you know, much need for religion. So, um, that, and that's kind of where I was coming from. Like, it seems that, uh, all, for me, that something kind of happened as I became an adult and kind of stopped believing in a lot of that superstitious stuff mm-hmm. is um, without the belief in a soul, ghost movies became kind of irrelevant to me. They became this sort of non thing. You know, I, 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 there, I do appreciate there are some, uh, ghost films that can kind of, kind of work the, the idea of a ghost a little different, maybe something Uh about alternate universes or, or well, we had this conversation once a few years ago. Remember? No, you don't remember that. So there's, so, so about, I think it was about two years back. Got a whole conversation on the idea of spirits and ghosts. The way that I'm most easily able to rationalize. I've never seen a ghost. Um, certainly, I, I know people who have claimed I've seen it, um, and I don't foresee any reason why they would purposefully lie about it. Uh, no, but yeah, but but one of the things that I sort of justify the existence of spirits or supernatural elements is the idea of. Um, links the ideas of time existing at all times and always like every singular moment in time not not existing linearly like we perceive time but in fact all these moments happen simultaneously uh-huh. and, con- and and repetitively and then combine that with the idea of multiverse right of alternate realities yes for every decision that you make there's an infinite number of alternate decisions that you can make that all have their own timelines. So if you, if you think about the amount of content that would be, right? You think of an infinite number of realities, each with an infinite number of timelines that exist all at once. That's a lot of content. And I and I think about it, we were talking about the 80s earlier, as when you record over a VHS tape too many times and you start to get the bleed. Right, you start oh, to get yeah. that image crossover where it's not fully in frame, but somehow, somehow there's a little bit of echoing that occurs, and and to me, as as far as I can justify, that to me is what most naturally explains when people see ghosts or or figures of that nature. There's a uh, film called John Dies at the End. It was mm. uh, it was a, based on a book by David Wong, uh, and David Wong is a pen name of some anonymous author, but uh, he. 
they they have in the in the book it was explained a little better they have these these shadow people that kind mm. of uh you have to be um exposed to this uh kind of organic living drug to be able to see them and okay. uh they 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 kind of come across as a as a ghost like entity but mm-hmm. later on it gets explained that what these are are people from other dimensions that somehow were able to through technology or whatever kind of research they were doing, were able to sort of fall out of their own reality and kind of get between the dimensions. Oh, and, right. and so they're, they're, you know, and, and like you're talking about with a, a, a multiverse of infinite possibilities, you can imagine that maybe some really weird things go on way out there in, in, in that very, you know, that, that, that reality, that, that universe that would be completely improbable, based on the reality we experience, but way out there somewhere, there's some really weird shit going on. And somehow some guy has slipped through his, you know, out of his dimension. And now he's sort of in limbo. Multiply that times, you know, infinity or to infinity. And And beyond. And beyond. (laughs) Toy Story (laughs) reference. And you might get a pretty large group of these people. They, They start to find each other. And so what, in a sense, the antagonist of John dies at the end are these misplaced extra dimensional beings that are just trying to find a reality to get into so they can live again. And it comes across as ghosts at first, but then you start understanding, you know, these are sort of like scientists from other realities, uh, wizards, you know, whatever they are. And they're trying to take over ours. Uh, Another thing is the whole beginning of the story is like full of demons and monsters and you also find out that they are not, in fact, demons or monsters, but they're the creatures from another reality where rather than, uh, you know, electronic technology becoming the main thing and computer-based technology, uh, mm-hmm. a more organic style of technology progressed. So their, you know, their agricultural methods uh, spawned, instead of automobiles, they have these uh, f- freaky spider giant spider things they all ride on. And, mm. and and so, you know, imagine a world where the amount of effort we've put into advancing electronics was put into some kind of genetic manipulation. And right. imagine the creatures of those worlds, they would look like the demons from our imagination. Right, right, right. Well, there's a couple of movies that I really like that, that tackled the idea of demons in a more sci-fi manner, which is John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which is generally oh, my go-to yeah. When people ask me what my favorite horror film is, followed very closely by The Omen, which tackles it from a more traditional standpoint. Prince of Darkness, you've got all the cast of Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. plus Alice Cooper. Which is really the setting point, because <laughs> Alice Cooper's fucking <laughs> awesome. it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, you have, uh, you have this idea that these are, these are beings from another dimension, a very dark dimension, a, a maybe a dimension that's very different from the one that we exist in one that's very filled with malice and and i don't remember because it has been a while since i've seen it if they allude to it actually being hell or what we think about as hell but i really like the idea that this is really just you know when you open a dimension or a portal into another world what that world looks like might be very very different and and potentially hazardous to this world Uh, another film that did it i don't think quite as well but another connection to the Omen, which is Event Horizon, oh, yeah. uh, starring Sam O'Neill, 
who was in the shitty third omen. What you were saying earlier throughout the week that these that these movies that use um, the devil or demons as the villain often use Christianity or religion as the foil for those for said evil. And in the Omen Three, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's only been you know thirty plus years. Um, Jesus actually shows up. Oh, nice. He's famous. Literally, that's a pretty yeah. famous cameo. We got Jesus on this one, guys. Now, now listen, huge. he only showed up for a day. They only had a couple hours with him, but he shows up. He makes an appearance, and um, and 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 then it launches into um, scripture on screen as you see light beaming through various windows and corridors. Okay. It's as on the nose as you could possibly get. Sam O'Neill plays an adult Damien who is an American the the English American ambassador and he is he is trying to um prevent the second coming by killing all the male all the male child children that are born during this time frame and I guess he missed one. And as as he is about to meet his own uh, his own demise, Jesus shows up and, and sort of, uh, no pun intended, puts the final nail in the coffin. See, why would he even want to present the second coming? Have you seen that Michelangelo painting of the judgment? I mean, that is one of the most... That could be the cover of any metal album, man. That is so it wicked. It's like Jesus is just like up in the sky and with his right hand, he's just casting everybody down to hell that didn't believe in him or, or do the right words or whatever. And then right. with his left, he's kind of throwing these people up into the sky. I mean, it, it's it seems to me that if uh, if Satan were, in fact, you know, into metal and, and the kind, you know, and horror films and the stuff that we were told when we were kids that he was into, he would probably want to be around for the second coming just to hang out and check it out uh, on my tv i actually have uh, a playlist going and ghost is playing right now i think that more movies involving the devil need to also involve synchronized dancing see that's another one where the the guy's just waiting to go to heaven and you get to see the people go to hell like that i mean ghost was like oh no 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 sorry not ghost the the movie with uh, patrick swayze <laughs> what the hell are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Which also would be appropriate. Uh, no, Ghost the Band. Ghost the Band. I saw them open for Iron Maiden. I don't know. Oh, I, jealous. I don't no, know what to sorry. think of Ghost the Band. That they're fucking awesome. Okay, thank you. I, now I know what to think. Well, I, I, I know you're on the. I know you're on the fence, and so I just wanted to guide you. And I'm there now. I'm a. I'm, there a, it is. I'm a Ghost fan now. So, so what is your? So, what's your favorite movie or song? Don't have to be a movie. That involves uh, the devil as uh, a key figure, Ooh. either as an antagonist or as a, I don't know, if there's a film where he's the protagonist. Okay. Uh, I think it is a, a controversial film that had very poor poor ratings, but I, I don't think it got a fair chance. And I don't think a lot of people have seen it, but it's called Lords of Salem. And I watched it. You watched it on my recommendation, and I thank you for that. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Of course. Uh, there was there. It's it's a film in which descendants of the Salem witches, who were real witches in this film, and 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 did do some pretty, uh, you know, uh, occult witchcraft kind of things. Uh, sure. But the descendants of those witches get revenge on the descendants of their persecutors. Right. And it is, to me, it is one of the most fun sort of satanic movies uh, out there. It's like, it, it stars, 
I, I wish I could remember her name. I feel terrible calling uh, her this. Sure. No, Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah, I always just say Rob Zombie's wife, and I feel so awful yeah. for that because she's got her own thing. She's an actress, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but she's, she's a pretty damn good actress too. She, actually, she's well, she's it's it's give and take. Uh, but I think in that film and and in Devil's Rejects, which I don't know if right. that counts in your category, but I actually do like that film better. But um, but I think in that film. Rob Zombie's really kind of he's he's figured out how to write characters that make her acting style a lot more believable, and so uh, so it's not as distracting as it was in say like House of a Thousand Corpses, right? But uh, yeah, it's it's a rad movie in which like witches are banding together secretly to make this prophecy come true that gets revenge on the the descendants of the you know the 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 evil priests that burned them at the stake so long ago in Salem and it's got amazing visuals of you know hell like scenes uh crazy masturbating demon priests uh it's just what it's got it all well one of the things it's funny we we didn't talk about but it fits in perfectly with the kind of movies we were talking about last week very avant-garde surreal at times uh, maybe a little bit more grind grounded in story than some of Rob Zombie's other films but um, I agree with you. I think I, I, you know, I didn't initially jump to that movie because I heard it was not very good. Even though I, I generally like Rob Zombie's films, or at very least, I generally appreciate what he tries to do. Maybe more than something more than some people do. Um, but I thought it was a great film. I thought the ending was really interesting. I thought where maybe it fell a little bit short was that. The witch's revenge plan should or could potentially be seen as very justifiable. And I don't know that they did enough to make it a film that could also be a metaphor for the rise of, like, you know, oppressed people, you know? Um, I don't know that it did enough to sort of... I don't even want to say villainize, but but show that there's a justification for these witches wanting to rise back up, you know? Well, I think that might've been intentional because you, you do see the witches uh, uh, in the past Salem doing, sure. some, doing some pretty nasty things. I mean, they weren't good people for sure, but neither sure. were the men who accused them of witchcraft and burned them at the stake. Uh, you know, both groups are, you know, have their own issues. And that's what I liked about it so much is they're not, it, it wasn't just like God, good, Satan bad or, or the reverse, yeah, right. Satan good, God bad. It, cause, cause I'm Rob Zombie and I'm into metal and stuff. It, it was more of a, these two groups are just different, but they're both sure. messed up in their own ways. And, you know, sat Satanism is an interesting thing, uh, especially cause most Satanism is secular in it, in its own sure. way. But, um, you know, they, cause Satanists don't, truly believe they have some kind of supernatural powers they're just kind of well i don't know you you could probably define it better than i can well it depends on what form of satanism we're talking about if we're talking about levain anton levay type satanism then then the the devil acts as sort of a figurehead um i think most people who identify with satanism or luciferianism they use the concept of the devil to more signify um a self-reliance a a thirst for truth, uh, maybe a certain level of hedonism, and so there's a little bit of an indulgence there as well. 
for me, what I wanted to see more of in uh, Lords of Salem was that same dichotomy of the religious right and the witches being represented in the modern day context, not just in the flashbacks. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I because see every, everyone, everyone that sort of exists in the modern context is pretty um, is pretty sympathetic. I mean, I thought Bruce Davidson's character was fantastic. Um, the the you know the character that plays I don't know I forget off the top of my head the um, the actor's name but who plays Sherry Moon Zombie's friend slash would be lover he plays this hyper sympathetic um, the three witches that live in the hall don't particularly come off as sympathetic and so I thought some of that groundwork that he laid down in the flashbacks gets lost in the more modern context uh huh well they are they are. The wit there because there are modern witches in the film and they are pretty different from the you know the the nude, right. nude mud covered women slapping babies out in the forest around a fire. That yeah, we see see, in I, the just beginning. Go, I just want to go back to the old school way. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, yes, uh, but I think it makes a little sense that you know a, a witches from the modern age are going to be a little more civilized, as all people are. Uh, things were pretty sure. savage in those colonial days. I can understand that. Yeah. You ever think of, um, um, uh, you know, sa- Satan as like uh, kind of the, you know, uh, like the secular view of Satan as the um, just sort of the questions that we're not supposed to ask, you know? He, right. To me, that's what it always was growing up was uh, here, you know, here's these, this, this religion that growing up in South Texas, I'm thrust into and it's forced upon me and I'm, going three times a week to a church and we keep hearing about this figure who was this, this angel that rebelled against it all. Sure. And now he's at war with the, the figurehead. He's at war with God and um, don't ever do what he did. Don't ever ask those questions. Uh, I, I remember hearing sermons on the what was it? sermons on how the imagination is the enemy. That's crazy. Literally. Yeah. Like, don't think too much about this stuff, you know? And so to me, I think as I was coming out of the religion uh, uh, as a young adult, it was Satan was this, um, you know, a metaphor for the questions that we weren't supposed to ask the, you know, the doubts. And right. um, it do you was feel some of that. Do you, do you feel like some of that gets lost in, in modern storytelling's interpretation of the devil? Absolutely. They, they, they pitch uh, Satan as a, just this evil for evil's sake uh, kind of thing uh, that, you know, that just wants to hurt and, because sure. he hates everything and it's hatred and it's, you know, and, but the, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that is even how uh, Christianity really sees it. You know, uh, right. people who really think about what they're, what they're looking at. It's, I mean, he, he asked the question, why do we have to worship God? Why do we have to be, the uh you know the followers the 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 slaves you know basically and and it's a good question because i you know i'm not trying to diss anybody that is religious or is christian but but in my point of view everyone should stop and ask that question honestly at least once in their life you know if, if you're going down that path i mean there are people who are in religious communities and they are feeling so much love from that community and i would not want to encourage any of those people to take actions to that would jeopardize that, you know, don't, sure. don't lose your family. Don't lose your friend group because 
you uh, just don't believe anymore. Keep it to yourself. I I, I don't know. That that might be kind of controversial advice, but um, well, that you know, I think that's an interesting. That's see, th- those are the facets of of the devil <clears throat> that I would like to see represented more in film. Um, and again, I love a lot of these films that that use the devil as a as an antagonist, but. You know, for the most part, even the movies that I love, he's he, it's still presented as the boogeyman. Right. Right. It's still yeah. presented as the mustache twirling evil for evil's sake. And I think that there are a lot of opportunities to showcase the devil and the questioning and what the devil represents. Right. The questioning of blind worship, the questioning of blind faith in a manner that is a little bit more engaging. Like in the same way that that some movies are in the direction that some movies are moving in, say with like um, Get Out, for example, uh-huh. that are using that are that are raising questions as it relates to our day to day lives, and I, and I think that I would like to see more of that in films, especially with a more horror context. Like, what's what is more scary than being someone who's raised in an ultra religious manner, questioning and losing faith? It's pretty scary. It's a pretty big gamble you're taking because most people that are kind of starting to question, they still believe they have a soul and they still believe that soul can go to one of two places. And if <laughs> that's the case, <laughs> if you if you really think that following a you know kind of line of doubt in your head to see where it leads could end up causing you to suffer for all of eternity, it's a it's a, it's a it's a pretty scary thing to just continue down that trail and see what you can find would it be an interesting concept to set you in and set a, a protagonist in an environment where in some ways they represent lucifer right or what lucifer did in the questioning of blind worship and how that might lead you to be cast out from your friends your family your society uh well uh, that actually can be done with leaning heavily on the horns as stephen king's son joseph hill showed recently with his book turn into a movie uh, uh horns uh, oh i haven't seen it it's a, a young man grows horns and um people start to feel compelled to just sort of tell him their sins whenever they pass by him he he faces all these prejudices of you know being a repulsive creature with horns and and more and more he just starts turning into a satan demon-like figure but is this he, a, the Daniel Radcliffe movie? Ra- Daniel Radcliffe was in the movie. He's, he played. Okay, it, yeah. interesting. And after a while, uh, it actually leads to the um, uncovering of uh, a murder that that oh. someone had done. Uh, you know, of a, of a, a woman that was close to a girl that was close to him. They actually mm. find out how she was murdered because of his his Satan powers. <laughs> so that's fascinating. Yeah. So just, right, just kind that. of gets served. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't seen the film, but I I enjoyed the book. Uh, yeah, Stephen King, both his uh, sons are um, are doing pretty good work. Nice, following, nice. Yeah, following in their dad's footsteps. Uh, yeah, they're tal- it's a talented family. Um, yeah, so for, for me, you know, one of the films that I, like I said, I think as far as a favorite film of mine that focuses on the devil, I think it's probably Prince of Darkness. And I think there could be a lot of, that, the, uh, the introduction of, of how science meets what we consider to be um, to be death and to be darkness and to be demons and and how those two things live in the same world 
I think is a really fascinating concept and, and one that a few films have been able to do decently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you take it on like that, because I think in that film, in the first 10 minutes, you've got science, uh, physicists talking with priests about quantum physics and right. how things kind of break down into mystery and ghosts, you know. And um, when you take it in that direction, it, it could just be a matter of, once again, getting back to that multiverse idea maybe you know there's certain qualities of realities and we might be in sort of a mid-range upper mid-range maybe i would say i like it uh reality but um you know it's okay for some of us (laughs) for some exactly but uh as 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 you trail down that wavelength down into those lower realities what would they look like Maybe right. maybe you would get something more akin to uh, the world we saw in Hellraiser two, you know oh, this yeah. this place where uh, suffering and pain uh, is their form of education. You know they that and and that's that's you know I'm I've got I'm going to say something I'm I I don't care who listens or how insignificant it it is. <laughs> I, I watched the most recent Hellraiser last night. Oh yeah, I, was uh, that's the one where they replaced. How, uh, Pinhead with that, a different actor. It, it, I think it's a different actor than the original, but it's not that hack they had for the last last movie. Okay, <laughs> that guy. Because that, that one was awful. Ooh, it was bad. Ooh, that was Which like one are a, we even on. That looked like a. It, it, you know, that one looked like uh, Pinhead just sort of popped up into a daytime soap opera. That's what that one looked like. I don't. <laughs> I don't even remember what it's called, but it was. Are you talking about uh, Revelations? This yes, one you Revel. No, I watched Judgment. Judgment. Yeah, slightly better. Right. Yeah, that's okay. that's this year's so, or 2018's. Uh, okay. But God, Revelations. Ugh. That's the one with the, the shit replacement, right? <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, Hellraiser Judgment, and it was um, this one was about a uh, a group of I guess Cenobites that was led by Pinhead, and they're sort mm-hmm. of uh, luring evil people into this house where they they judge them and then you know treat them according to how they're judged sure and but it add it it definitely i mean it just it just went for it it was like this is a story that takes place in the christianity universe there's angels in it at one point uh ten commandments are mentioned uh you know it was it just, it, to me, I've always loved Hellraiser, which, you know, was almost, what, 30 years old now, that film. And yeah, right. uh, and the reason I loved it is because of the ambiguity. It was like, what is Pinhead? What are the Cenobites? Like, what is the puzzle box? I mean, you've got these, these certain types of personalities here in the world that are just never satisfied. They're always looking for the next adventure. And, and that lifestyle can lead you to a place where you might buy this puzzle box one day and full of ambition and desire you solve it and oops you've summoned right tor- torturing yeah awful beings from another dimension where they think pain is the coolest thing and they're gonna just show you all the stuff they've learned and i've been to clubs like that uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad really uh which is kind of funny because hellraiser 3 uh a big big part of that took place in a nightclub where he recruits a bunch of his new Cenobites. Uh, right. that, was, that was a fun scene. But but no, this this one last night was straight up just, these are demons, they're not angels, there are angels, Jesus is real, and the Ten Commandments do matter. 
Uh, it, it just totally went there. And I am a, um, probably, I, I mean, I should have made this decision 20 years ago, 25 years ago even. I'm never going to watch a Hellraiser film again. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing. What if, what nothing what if Doug Bradley do. comes back? No. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I, I, yeah, I can't. I can't. It was so dumb. David, well, the pro- it was bad. I, I mean, here's the thing. I really do think that the idea of the devil or demons as a, as a scary villain can work and often does work. But uh, for me, when it's less connected to traditional religion, it's always scarier. You know, like the very first omen introduces ideas of the devil, but then there's like, you know, some some ideas of like ancient culture and what they consider to be, you know, demons. Right. But by the time you get to the third movie, when it just slaps you over the head with a literal Bible verse, um, it, it kind of takes me out of the moment and it, and it kind of removes some of the scary factor. It does. Yeah, that. I'm going to spoil Hellraiser Judgment because it, it also had a lot of Bible verses. But in the end, the the idea is they have captured like the worst serial killer in the region. And the I guess an angel from heaven comes and makes them let him go because mm. he is before they can kill. He's he's not he's not a dead soul or a tortured soul. He's he's still living, but they've captured him while he's alive. And they're going to, you know, they're going to judge him when an angel comes and says, no, let this one go. So they have to let him go because Pinhead has to mind what the angels say, which, hey, Mm -hmm. hey, man. But uh, that's not cool. I mean, this is Pinhead we're talking about. He's not going to. Right. But uh, so in doing so, they release this awful serial killer that is actually killing. It's, It's almost like the film Seven. You know, where he's kind right, of killing right, right. to the seven deadly sins. This guy's killing to the Ten Commandments. Okay. And heaven likes it because they think that this is going to actually encourage people to, uh, you know, go with God. So, right. that, so yeah, so they, they make them, they make the Cenobites let him go. And, you know, he continues to do his evil work and then uh, eventually comes back into their grips and Pinhead kind of does something to trick the angel and then he ends up killing the angel and then the angel ends up uh, punishing him. And it was just, but, but it had a lot of lots to do with the book of Exodus. And I think it was, I don't, I don't remember it. Bible. It had Bible shit in it, but uh, it was just like, you know what? For so long that the Hellraiser series, you know, this, this thing from the mind of this freakazoid Clive Barker, Brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah. And it was so ambiguous. It was, it wasn't just, you know, coming right at you. These are the demons from the Bible. These, you know, they they could be aliens. They could be so many weird things. Uh, They call themselves travelers. Uh, They, you know, Pinhead actually calls himself evil in this recent film. He's really? Never, yeah, he's never admitted it gets, it gets that he's ha- evil. He's just yeah, it gets hackish. And honestly, the best villains are the ones that don't think they're evil, but in fact justified in their actions. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it it had an aspect that what the you know what the gods uh, side was doing mm-hmm. was actually a little worse because they wanted to let the the evil serial killer go, where Pinhead and his, right. and his acolytes wanted to kill this man. But it's still it still had them saying we're evil and we're from hell. And it, and it just wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't have that strange ambiguity of, and that mystery that the first films had that I think made 
made them such a cool, uh, you know, cool representation of, you know, how they're even might, you know, like you were saying earlier, where it's almost like it's, it's supernatural and it's, it's based on religion, but it's kind of sci-fi. I think the first films had that. Right, exactly. And, and that leaves it more ambiguous and allows your mind to wander a little bit more. Right, because if, if, if a horror film is just based on things that you don't believe in whatsoever, there's, right. there's nothing terrifying about it. You know, these days, it's very hard for me to get into that mode that I used to love when I was younger where I could actually be scared while I'm watching a film, you know, uh, or where I could think, uh, ooh, that could actually happen. I have to watch, you know, thrillers or war movies or, or you know, crime films to think, ooh, that's pretty scary. I, I, right. don't want, I don't want that. I want to be scared by horror films. Put a little more imagination to it, you know. Get get into some some area of theoretical physics that that you know we're all kind of touched on. We, maybe we've seen a few documentaries on, uh, you know, on the Discovery Channel or, or on. Uh, well, I don't even. I don't want to say the Learning Channel because that's all Honey Boo Boo kind of stuff right, these days now. it's not honey boo boo but it but it is still you know she's gone right. but it's still that it's uh, some version of that whatever channel's playing science <laughs> we you know i play off that stuff you know off those like getting back to prince of darkness like he talks about on the quantum right. level it all breaks down into ghosts and shadows it's almost like a chick track you know you know what i'm talking about jack chick no uh, he was that guy you've seen these things. He was that illustrator back in the eighties and nineties. And I think, uh, I think in the two thousands a bit too, that he would draw these, uh, little mini comic books about, uh, how to avoid going to hell. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You've the, tr- the, the tracks, the tracks. Yeah. Chick tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've been handed one at the mall one day. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, there's a, usually, especially on weekends, there's plenty of people with the, uh, you know, you're all going to hell kind of signs, you know, doing their doing their um, uh, protest. You know what I'd like to do? One of these days, you and I ought to make our well. We'll we'll get chick tracks. I I mean, I'm sure that they're not public domain, but I doubt anybody's going to come after us. And and let's just replace all the Bible verses with Journey lyrics. <laughs> you know, don't stop believing. You know, Journey. <laughs> <laughs> so so question for you then on um, who is who has portrayed the devil the best. Ooh. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite portrayal of the devil? Okay, it's it's such a minor one. Uh, okay, and I'm uh, gonna have to um, take a second here to uh, type something into Google. You might, okay. you might know, no Pete, no Peter. Oh, Peter Stromberg is that his name? Peter, oh, it's hilarious! Peter, yes, it is. Peter Stormier. It's is the it same Stormier? one I was gonna say. Yeah, Stormier. Stormier. Is that? Oh, there he is. I just Googled him and he is yeah. gorgeous. Yes, man. When he played the devil in that white suit in a... Not and the Constantine. <laughs> Constantine. I was going to call it Satanic Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. in, also appropriate. In Constantine. When he when he comes out there and he's in that white suit with blood all over his bare feet. Oh, no, it's that even, was It's not cool. even blood. It's like tar. Yeah, that yeah. was the best part. They see. I, actually, I had already pulled that up because that was mine as well. I, I almost went with Glenn Danzig. Yes. And Glenn Danzig plays Samuel from The Prophecy Two, uh-huh. um, which is another name for the devil. And, and I almost picked him. And and obviously Tim Curry's uh, the, uh, Lord of Darkness from Absolutely. from Legend uh, Legend with from Tom Legend Cruise. Yeah, was very close as well. I mean, 
However, I, I think from from pure creep factor, uh-huh. and the fact that they resisted so many tropes that are normally associated, which which those films tend to lean into. I mean, he's wearing a white suit, right? Yeah. He's 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 barefoot, hair slicked back. You know, he's got he's almost angelic in nature, but with such an eerie creepiness to him. Yeah, it's perfect. And the fact. And they did do blood. They did this tar that kind of, yeah, like rotten know, blood, like whatever is dead blood. Goo, yeah, goo. Yeah, just dripping down, and he's kind of gently walking as though being on Earth is sort of a disgusting place for him. Yeah, to me, to me, the you know that just the the tar thick blood dripping off his yeah. feet was like because he's been walking through the floors of hell. You know, yeah, where you, absolutely. Can, you can imagine the, the environment he's coming from. That that was brilliant. Uh, I mean, not an amazing movie, but it's still a very fun movie and a great one, of the, one, of, one of the better adaptations of an indie comic book uh, brought to yeah. film uh, for sure. Also, also his, his performance wasn't, um, you know, overwrought with evil. It was almost somewhat sexual in nature. Yeah. You know, you, you know, he, he, he almost... He almost looks like he's lusting after um, John Constantine, or certainly he's certainly licking his lips at the at the at the idea that he's able to take, you know, this guy into hell that he's waited so long for. But again, he the way his his approach to the acting of it, it's it's this it's a it's an uncomfortable giddiness and excitement and um, desire. I guess is the best word that I could come up with in his performance that I think a lot of actors would have gone in a different direction. They would have been dark and evil and gothic and, you know, you know, evil laugh. Right. Which might have been fine, but not as uncomfortable as some of those more iconic um, devil portrayals. So the award for Best Satan goes to Peter Stormare for sure. But I'm going to say runner-up, you don't know him. I recommended him earlier. Matt Servito, he usually plays detectives, uh, mobsters in most films. He's the Satan from your your pretty face. Your pretty face is going to hell, the comedy show I was talking about. Okay. And yeah, I I, I gotta say, he's my favorite Satan. Not in the fact that he like plays the best Satan, but I just I I love that performance, man, of just the cor- <laughs> corporate manager Satan walking around with this right. coffee mug, just. Uh, I'm looking at the images torture. right now. Oh, it's hilarious. Brilliant. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I look forward to you watching that show. We'll talk about it in the future because that is a great show. Nice, nice. We want to hear what, what people who listen to the show. So, uh, if you have a fa- favorite Satan, say it in the comments on our Instagram, which is Grindhouse Podcast on Instagram. And uh, let us know. Let us know what you guys think. What's your favorite movie about the devil? What's your favorite uh, portrayal of Satan or demon? And um, you know, what's uh, what's the direction of satanic horror? What what are we going to see in the coming years? What's what can uh, filmmakers and and artists do to use the uh, the motif of the devil in an interesting and creative manner? All right. So this is Dave, and I'm Matt. And uh, thank you for listening to an ep- another episode of the Grand House Podcast, also we known will... as the My Favorite Satan Podcast. And we're out. You've been listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the My Favorite Satan Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen every Monday on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.